But I'm really interested to see what you have to say about the agricultural like media kind of thing because that's a huge, huge thing. It's kind of another question that I was going to ask, um, but you were getting into that and I kind of cut you off. So I would love to hear about that. Yeah. Kind of like a lost voice, like that whole like split between like when media came out and like, like you're saying, like it's a huge like you're like we're like ten years behind. Right. Exactly. And, you know, we finally are, are, are at the plate to bat now. And we've already got, you know, all these organizations, like you mentioned, PETA, there's a bunch of what we call anti-agricultural organizations. And they're out there spreading false information. And that was a really good analogy that you put. It's like, you're up to bat, but it's like the ninth inning, and they're up by 10. And you're like, okay, now, how do I realistically, like, and effectively make this work? And this, like, it's kind of like one of those impossible tasks, which sucks. So... Welcome to Talk Ag to Me, the podcast dedicated to improving ag literacy around the globe. I'm your host, Brandon Black, and in today's episode, I've got another consumer conversation for you guys. This is uh, another podcaster of, uh, I've met on the Reddit communities, and his name is Eddie from the uh, Table Talks podcast, which I'm going to have him talk a little bit more about himself and, and his project. Eddie, take it away. How's it going, guys? I'm Eddie. I am super, super excited to be here. Um, this guy, Mr. Black, I call him Mr. Black, which kind of sounds like a creepy like villain's name, but um, I call him that because I don't know if it's Brandon or Brendan, so whatever, it's cool. Um, but I'm super happy to be here. Um, I'm, I'm glad to, to network and kind of get my name out there as well, but also help out uh, fellow podcasters with their, uh, with their vision and what they're, what they're trying to work on, so I'm glad to be here. Awesome. Well, I appreciate it. And it is, in fact, Brendan, but I get that mistake all the time, so I'll take Mr. Black if you want to <laughs> I feel like you're like supposed to be like a Netflix villain or something like Mr. Black. Like that's funny. I'll take it. I'll take it. Uh, so yeah. So, you know, like, you know, like he said, he runs a podcast of his own, which I would definitely recommend and I'll, I'll give him a chance to shout it out again at the end of the, uh, the end of the episode here. Um, but I was actually just on an episode of his podcast, which by the time you guys are hearing this will probably be up already. I'm not sure what your upload schedule looks like for this. Uh, for the episode I was on just now, but yeah, I post uh, I post every Tuesday and Thursday. So the one that we just recorded will be posted uh, Thursday. I think it's going to be the what is that the nineteenth or something eighteenth of September. So yeah, okay. So yeah, I think this episode will be going up in a week or two. So I, I it will definitely be after your episode goes up. So uh, yeah, so definitely go go check that you know check that out, guys. After we broke the fourth wall a little bit right there, um, but yeah. So here today. Uh, we're here to kind of continue the conversation we had over on his episode. You know, he's got some questions for me about agriculture. I've got some questions for him about agriculture, and we're just gonna have a a great talk. So, uh, if you're ready, Eddie, then we can jump right into it. I'm game. Let's go. Okay. So the first question I always ask anybody uh, before we jump into the the uh, the rapid fire question round is, what is your experience, if any, with agriculture? I wish I could tell you that I had any. Unfortunately, I don't. Um, I, I grew up being a sports guy um, and kind of nerdy in school and kind of like I had mentioned before to you, um, I wish that I had gotten into it um, because there's so much to learn and it's not just, everyone thinks that agriculture is just farming and it's just, you know, uh, cattle and this and that, but there's so much more to it and uh, uh, I don't know much about it. I know that there's a lot of generalized theories and um, not conspiracy theories, but like different things and ideas that the, the common community has about it. Um, or questions about it that I'm concerned 
concerned with, but also want to know more about. So I think you're the guy to do that. And uh, I'm excited to, to kind of to listen and learn. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'm happy to have you on here. And, you know, that's that's the attitude that, that we're looking for. You know, you don't necessarily know, you know, a whole lot about the about the topic, but you're excited to learn about it. And that's, you know, I'm happy to happy to have that. So uh, we on, on his episode, we talked a little bit about a few different topics, uh, mostly slaughterhouses and animal rights. Um, organic farming and the misleading label, you know, controversy that we've talked about on, on this podcast on many occasions. Um, we talked a little bit about uh, farm animals and traumatic experiences with farm animals. <laughs> we talked about the the, cl- the cult classic movie Barnyard, which was incredible. <laughs> Fantastic movie with a great soundtrack. Uh, so yeah, so we, we talked about quite a few different topics on, on his podcast, but uh, on this episode, we're going to be going maybe a little bit further into depth about those about those topics, but probably going to be answering a few different types of questions. And I know that anyone who's been listening for this podcast for a long time has probably heard some of the uh, answers I have to these questions, but it doesn't matter. We're going to be addressing, you know, I'll, I'll address the same question in every single episode if I have to, to make sure that everyone gets the, gets the answer they're looking for. So without further ado, let's just kind of jump into it i suppose you said you had one more question for me in the last episode do you uh you still have that question ready for me i do i actually have two questions so um this this one i have zero idea about how it works i kind of understand what they're used for um and and why we have them but i don't know what the deal is so what the heck is going on with the whole pesticide thing because i know that it's for crops and it's for um, you know, to, to allow the crops to, uh, from what I, from what I think, I mean, I'm not going to say it's fact, but I think it's, you know, to allow the crops to grow, um, in an efficient way, um, in a, in a, I guess a quote unquote healthier way, uh, for consumer based ideas. And I don't know really what the deal is or why pesticide free would be more, you know, it's kind of like the organic thing that we talked about, why organic is better than not or whatever, but pesticide free compared to you know, stuff that was used with pesticides. I don't know what the difference is. So if you could inform me, that'd be incredible. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, uh, I'm kind of surprised. Pesticides is one of the few topics we haven't talked about a whole lot in depth on this podcast. So I'm let's go, let's go. That's a great topic too. And it's one that, that needs more attention than it gets. And, you know, a lot of people tend to, you know, their, their first presumption of pesticides is that they're poisonous or that they're toxic or that they're dangerous to put on food and we shouldn't be spraying our, our fields with them and, you know, all, all of these things. And in reality, you know, the chemicals themselves may be dangerous on a, on a concentrated level, but nobody's, you know, nobody's out there drinking pesticides or anything like that. Uh, pesticides are applied, and I'll, I'll try and give you a basic rundown of what pesticides are used for. They're applied to crops with the intention of preventing those crops from being destroyed by pests, whether those pests are weeds, bugs, insects of, of any kind, uh, diseases, you know, uh, fungus, you know, mold, whatever it is, anything that could damage a crop, they usually have a chemical that will kill that thing. And so the entire purpose is to protect crops, not necessarily to, yes, it does help them grow better, but mostly fertilizers are for that purpose. And and there are chemical fertilizers that kind of get tied in with the pesticide idea, but pesticides themselves are more for the protection of those crops from those outside hazards. So does does that kind of answer the first part of your question? It definitely did. Um, I feel like pesticides just have the natural connection to like poison. And that's been like the big question for me. It's like, why... Why would why would poison be a, a solution as opposed to a problem in the grand scheme of things? I'm not I'm not really sure. 
Mm -hmm. So a lot of people tend to, yeah, have that same question of, you know, why are we putting poison on our crops? And that poison, you know, quote unquote, is is really not that dangerous. Yes, it can potentially have health effects on people who are exposed to it for a long period of time, but consumers aren't exposed to it for a long period of time. And, and so in your episode, we talked about the farm to fork process, the, you know, goes from the farm to the processor, to the distributor, to the retailer, to the consumer. Right. In, in that processing step, there's a lot of cleaning that goes on. And, you know, any crops that have been sprayed with pesticides, they get heavily, heavily, heavily washed to make sure they don't have any trace of, of residue on them, even a little bit, because there's heavy regulations on that stuff. Uh, the food safety standards of the United States are actually the highest food safety standards in the entire world. And so if we have pesticide residue on our fruit or on our food or on our vegetables, and that gets to consumer market and somebody gets sick, that's a problem, obviously. And so... In the processing, you know, port portion of the uh, farm to fork process, they do intensive cleaning to try to get all of that residue off. And, you know, to be fair, some of those residues aren't as dangerous as they come off to be, but they clean them for, for you know, potential safety hazard uh, reasons. And so, yes, we spray fields with these, you know, quote unquote, toxic chemicals. But in reality, there's a lot of regulations around how we're allowed to spray them, what chemicals we're allowed to use. And the chemicals themselves go through about 13 years of, of testing in a lab, also being used around humans to see if they actually have any long-term uh, health effects. And, you know, after 13 years, if they don't find anything, then they approve it to be used on the market. And a lot of pesticides have been pulled off the market because even if they're safe, people are scared of them, so they just outlaw them. And so... Well, it's it's crazy too because I'm trying to I'm trying to re- uh, understand like big picture wise why this whole propaganda thing isn't like a generalized understanding by the by the people like it's the slaughterhouse thing it's the organic thing it's the pesticide thing it's like so driven by anti like it's not I'm not sure if it's all PETA but it's like these different organizations that are like hey stop doing this because it's against what we believe in as opposed to like the the generalized like. This is what works for us and what has been efficient and is is regulated and is watched over and is not like a, a sore, like a blind spot to anybody like that's above, um, you know, like in, in administration or anything like that. It's it's very like very constructed, like in, in a way that that works for everybody. Right. Like, I don't understand why people have this crazy stigma towards it. Right. So now we're starting into the category of ag in the media, and that's where that problem starts to show up more. So just to kind of wrap up the pesticide problem before we get into that topic, because that's a very heavy topic as well with the pesticide thing, another, you know, kind of my final nail in the coffin for that point. And that's not to say that, you know, pesticides are 100%, you know, like we should go out there and, and hang out in fields while they're spraying. They still can be dangerous in, in, in large amounts. It's just that people don't tend to be exposed to them in large enough amounts for them to be dangerous. That's kind of the, the end of the line. But also, Farmers try to avoid using pesticides as much as possible because they're expensive. You know, they, they're really hard. It's, it's really hard to, to, you know, raise a field if you're having to just pour tons of money into pesticides for it to be wasted. That's why people say that we overspray. Some farmers do, you know, kind of maybe, but it's the same thing with the whole like, you know, farmers that mistreat animals. Most farmers don't want to overspray because that's wasting their money on, on a project, on a product that they don't need to waste money on. And if they overspray, then that potentially has the has a chance of killing their crop too, and they can't have that happen. So it's just really it's a balancing act. You know, for the farmers who do overspray, obviously we try to tell them to not do that. 
because it also has long-term negative effects on the environment too because if those pesticides sink into the soil it could have damaging effects on the soil health as well which is very important but not all farmers and actually not that many farmers tend to overspray enough to make it a dangerous uh, thing to worry about but anyways that's that's kind of you know that's all I have on, on that point. But yeah, to your point, a lot of people have this opposition to agriculture. And that's kind of the purpose of, you know, of my podcast and of other agricultural media pursuits is trying to raise awareness for people to understand that farmers are doing what they're doing to try to feed the world. Nobody's trying to poison, you know, consumers. Nobody's trying to do, nobody's trying to cut corners. Nobody's trying to, because we've seen that by cutting corners, it has extremely negative effects and we don't want that to happen because we're still trying to feed people at the end of the day. Well, it's like that famous, that famous meme where it's like, you know, it's honest work kind of thing. Like it, it it still is like, it's not. And I I think before we kind of leave the pesticide conversation, let me ask you this. What if farmers, what, what tactics or different skills do farmers use instead of pesticides that work um, efficiently? Like maybe that'd be something good to understand for my, just for my sake. Like what are they doing instead of that? Because you, like you said, it's expensive. Mm-hmm. So uh, one of the, so there, there's a couple different strategies that farmers are taking to handle that. Some farmers are adapting uh, more organic forms of pest control, which can work on a smaller scale, but tend to not be as efficient. Uh, so they have beneficiaries, which are basically um, insects that will kill other insects that kill plants. So like, let's say you have an infestation of of mite, for example, on on corn. Mites are really bad corn uh, killer, and so you you might have another bug that will come in and eat eat all the mites, and it'll it'll keep your crop safe. Beneficiaries can be helpful, but they can also be hard to rely on because they don't always get all the bugs, whereas the pesticides might. Um, we have organic forms of those pesticides. We have, you know, natural products that are also able to kill the crops or uh, kill the bugs without killing the crop. And so some of these methods are being adapted, but they're just really not as efficient or as effective as the synthetic pesticides. And that tends to be the issue we're seeing. Uh, one of the biggest solutions to the pesticide issue has actually been GMOs. A lot of people have been uh, adapting to using GMO plants because they can genetically modify a crop to be insect resistant, to be, uh, you know, herb resistant, to be, you know, basically to a point where they don't need to spray because the plant has it built into them automatically. And so like if a, if a bug bites into it, it just kills the bug. And so that kind of thing is, is uh, an up and coming technology to try to save farmers money in that regard as well. Okay. And it, it's the same idea that, or maybe not the same idea, but the question that I have is the organic pesticides as opposed to a regular pesticide. Like what's the difference for that? Uh, the organic pesticide, so the, the regular, like the, the, you know, the typical pesticide tends to just be a chemical. Uh, the organic pesticide tends to be some kind of compound. It, it could be, you know, I know that like, um, I can't, it's not bone meal, it's something else, but I can't remember what it's called now. Um, you know, there, there are certain like meals and like, you know, grounded up, uh, you know, organic material that they can use that basically just drives off bugs. It doesn't necessarily kill them. Sometimes it does, but mostly just kind of drives off bugs so they don't want to come near the crops. But, those, you know, those methods tend to just not have as much of an impact on, on the protection of the crops as, as a synthetic variance. But the problem with the synthetic variance of the, you know, just using chemicals is that the bugs can actually produce a resistance to it over time. It's very, you know, it takes a long time to build that resistance. And usually, you know, farmers will, will switch up their pesticides every couple weeks or so. So that way it catches the bugs off guard. And you can't do that with organic variants. You can't, you know, if they grow resistance to it, there's not enough, uh, you know, 
alternative methods that you can just keep switching them out every week and expect it to keep working. And so that tends to be an issue that organic farmers tend to run into as well, is they just don't have sufficient ways of keeping the bugs away. Right. It's kind of like an insect repellent when you think about it, like camping. Like it doesn't 100% work, but it helps like just get them away kind of thing. Exactly. I get that for sure. But I'm really interested to see what you have to say about the agricultural like media kind of thing, because that's a huge huge thing it's kind of another question that i was going to ask um but you were getting into that and i kind of cut you off so i would love to hear about that yeah yeah no no yeah for sure it's definitely a topic that i really enjoy talking about because that's kind of my job right now is you know is being a voice for agriculture in the media and you know as much as i love to support agriculture my biggest uh complaint with them is that they're really bad at talking to people like farmers are just they're for as social as a farmer is like if you've ever met a farmer they're the most social person you'll ever meet like they love talking to people they are terrible at telling their story like if if you know if you ask a farmer because the average farmer is getting older we got you know the average age of the american farmer is about 58 years old i don't know that many 58 year old you know farmers that are on facebook they're on instagram they're on twitter and if they are, they're not posting all kinds of stuff about how important it is to understand agriculture. And, you know, they know how important it is and, and they will advocate for it, you know, through word of mouth. But we need that social media presence, too. And we, we just weren't getting it for the longest time. Over the past five or 10 years or so, we started to kind of see a, an uprising in agricultural media. But it, it's it's almost like too little too late at this point. There's been so many kind of like a lost voice like that whole like split between like when media came out and like like you're saying like it's a huge like you're like we're like 10 years behind right exactly and you know we finally are 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 at the plate to bat now and we've already got you know all these organizations like you mentioned PETA there's a bunch of what we call anti-agricultural organizations and they're out there spreading false information and you know that's not to say that everything that they say is completely inaccurate some of the things that they point out are fair points they just take them to a radical extreme that we won't accept and so we the you know those in in agricultural communications are now tasked with the with the goal of trying to give agriculture a voice that it hasn't had ever on on social media and it's a really hard goal because like you said we're 10 years behind the game like we're still trying to figure out how all this stuff works and we're still trying to figure out what is the best way to make agriculture a mainstream topic again that people actually care about talking about. And I've been trying to do it with my podcast, trying to make a way of like, you know, if I related to Star Wars, if I related to, you know, uh, superheroes or if I related to, uh, you know, kids TV shows or kids movies or whatever, like, is that going to work to get people interested in what I'm talking about? And so far it has, but I'm not sure that's the best long-term sustainable solution to keeping agriculture in the mainstream conversations. And that's what we're trying to figure out right now. And that's like the hardest thing too, because like, it's something that really does matter, but it's like one of those things that people are like, yeah, but I'll worry about it later. Or, you know, it's kind of like the, the whole mindset of like, it's too little too late. Like that's, it's kind of BS. Right. <laughs> but it, 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 in reality, it kind of sucks because like you said, that was a really good analogy that you put. It's like, you're up to bat, but it's like the ninth inning and they're up by 10 and you're like, okay, now how do I realistically like and effectively make this work? And this, like, it's kind of like one of those impossible tasks, which sucks. So I'm interested in it. I'm, I'm, uh, totally willing to share with all my, my people on my side. And even if it's not an ag based one for me, um, because it is an important message and it's good to know this stuff. Like, it's good to understand that there's like pros and cons to a lot of the things. Um, and like you said, like PETA, like is one of those mainstream things that, that I've like seen messages from, like not like personally messages, but like 
you know, the the slogans or the the videos of like like we were talking about before, like the Sarah McLaughlin type of like black and white, like bad, you know, bad stuff that everyone's doing, like that needs to stop. But really, it, it's it's not that way at all. It's 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 the fact that there's information that's not being construed to the public or not being you know told in a way that's like, hey, this is an important thing. Um, and so, like, you're doing a great job. I appreciate that, man. So, thank you for uh, clarifying a lot of those things for me. But I still have more questions, so keep talking, please. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, I definitely appreciate you taking an interest in it. And any anytime somebody takes an interest in what I'm saying, it, it definitely it, it means a lot to me because it means that what I'm doing is at least working on some level. And that's all I needed to to do is you know if we can just reach one person who cares, and they can go tell one person who cares. And you know it's just a, it's just a you know if we can just get somebody to care, that's the part that we need help with. And yeah, so, and it's about networking too, too. So it's like you tell me. Right. And then I can like share it on my podcast, which reaches 20 to 15, 15 to 20 to 30 to whatever people to 50. And then they, they share with one person. It's supposed to spread like wildfire. That's the goal. That's like the dream scenario, I think, for most, most people trying to get a message out there for sure in the podcasting community. And, you know, like you mentioned, there's there's a massive amount of people who are you know, completely unaware of what's going on in agriculture. They think that pesticides are poison. They think that organic is better for them. They think that slaughterhouses are evil, all this stuff. And I've met a good portion of people who don't believe that, but they just don't know the truth. So they don't know what to believe, which is fair because we haven't been out there telling them what the truth is. And we're trying to now, and and some of them are listening and a lot of them are skeptical of both sides and they don't know what to believe because they won't do their own research. But one of the things that we always advocate for is that, you know, like, or at least, at least, you know, speaking for myself, I can't speak for everybody out there who has an ag media account, but I'm always the one that's saying that I'm not asking you to go study agriculture. I'm not asking you to be, you know, the biggest, you know, farming supporter. As long as you're educated and as long as you know what's going on, that's all I can ask for. Like, I, I don't even care if you don't support agriculture. As long as you know what's actually happening and you're not spreading false information, then that's fine. You know, I, I acknowledge that there are some issues in the industry that we still need to work through. But to, to listen to all the organizations that are spreading false information that are basically spreading fear for no reason and that are, you know, they're creating all these stigmas around things that aren't true, that's when I start to have a problem with it. Yeah, and those people spreading the bad stuff, those are like the mites, and we're like the, where's the vegetable, we're the crops, man, we're just trying to, we're just trying to live, leave us alone, we're trying to feed the people, that's what, it is. <laughs> to be corny, to be corny, not, not, no pun intended, well, actually pun very intended, but also, it's, uh, it's, it's crap, because, or crud, I mean, uh, dang it, um, and, but, uh, okay, it just sucks, because I get that there's an issue, it's like, Underst- like in a, in a lot of things on my podcast too where it's like there's an issue let's like talk about it kind of thing or whatever like it's an open forum thing and like for you um it's a very serious thing too in regards to agriculture because it affects literally everybody it's not like a um a specified like bias towards like i like to go fishing you know what i mean it's like it's not like a a hobby and it's not like a a job really it's like everyone should be responsible for how important it is and i get it man i'm I'm with you. I, I'm I'm all about it, man. Um, it's, it sucks. It sucks that there's a, this false media stuff that's going on. Honestly, it's it's it really does suck. Yeah, and and I'll kind of I'll, I'll close the 
the ag media portion of my my soapbox speech because I know you have more questions, but I'll close it on 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 this. So first of all, as far as the anti agricultural organizations go, I've gotten questions on you know by tons of people on like you know why do they do this? Why you know why are they so against agriculture? Don't they realize how good it is for them? Don't they realize how much we need it? To quote um, Alfred from from Batman, some men just want to watch the world burn, and that's just how things are on social media. Some people don't care what the message is or how important it is, or even if they agree with it. Because, you know, farmers want to protect animals too. PETA could completely agree with that and still bash the farmer because they just care about what their political agenda is. They don't care what the actual message is. They just want to get rid of animal agriculture. And so that that kind of is, is one of the things that we're trying to fight is, you know, those people who just want to cause trouble, they don't care about the actual topic. And... The other thing is the reason that I always say this is so important, and you know this isn't a, a political thing, but the Prime Minister of Canada, Justin Trudeau, has been quoted in saying that Canada shouldn't be relying on American farms because they have grocery stores, and that scares me. Okay, go into that a little more because I'm not really sh- – that's – yeah. So uh, basically, the the Prime Minister of Canada. I don't remember what the context of the speech was. Now, um, I, I you know if I say something incorrect, then somebody please correct me because I don't want to get this wrong. But he has been quoted before in saying that because uh, Canada, so Canada, Mexico, and the United States are all involved in a in a trade agreement called the uh, USMCA, the United States Mexico Canada Agreement. It used to be called NAFTA, and. Basically, that means that we have a you know we have a free trade agreement that's active between the three countries that benefits all of us. So Canada and Mexico depend on our food, and we depend on their food, and that's how we keep our relationships with those countries intact. Is you know we we trade food that we can't get or in our country at certain times of the year. So you know when it's not citrus season here, we get citrus from Mexico because it is citrus season there because they're south of the equator, and so so that's that's why the trade agreements exist. The Prime Minister of Canada said that they don't need American agriculture because they have grocery stores. So they don't need farms because they can already get the food. But they he didn't he didn't acknowledge the fact that without the farms the grocery stores wouldn't exist. Yeah, and the thing about that too is to be on a, a more lighthearted hard part hearted part of the thing, um we need maple syrup. So what the heck, dude? Right. No, that's, that's <laughs> Come on. Right. No, but that's that's a really uh blatantly a stupid comment to make i feel like that's like like you just said you need the food from the farms to be making the grocery stores go into business so what are you talking about right and so there's this mentality and and it's actually really prevalent in the united states too is that people just think that their food just shows up in a grocery store they don't realize it actually comes from a farm and that a farmer you know puts his, his blood sweat and tears into producing that food and so that's that's at the end of the day the the most important message to take away is that just don't forget the farmer exists too hey i'm with you on that so anyways rant over you can move on to your next question if you're if you're ready, <laughs> if you're ready. <laughs> i'm ready um i only have one more question but this is gonna, i know it's gonna be a big one so let's see how it works i don't know which um documentary that i watched on netflix and it was a while back so it wasn't anything recent so don't quote me on any of it but what the heck is going on with how meat is preserved as opposed to like the health benefits of it being like freshly cut in like a deli so a lot of like i don't know i watched a documentary basically on like how they were like the sodium levels inside of like packaged meat is like the craziest (laughs) 
amounts of unhealthy that you can you could possibly think of and it's not even maybe we can even expand past the 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 lunch meat kind of thing and like how we preserve things in general um to get from point a to point b it's that whole fork to to i forgot what you said but yeah farm to fork thing um in regards to like keeping things fresh um the sodium levels and 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 lunch meat is absolutely insane like i i I refuse to buy lunch meat that's prepackaged now. Like it's hard for me to do that. Like and 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 there's a lot of like health risks in regards to um, the stuff that is quote unquote pumped into like ground beef and ground turkey that it's almost unhealthy to consume, even if it's supposed to be labeled as like this health kick kind of thing. What do you have to say about like what do you think about that? What do you know about that? That I, I I'm not really sure how any of that's like genetically modified meats and stuff like that. Like how the health benefits are like negatively affected because of the way that it's packaged and produced and all of that. Mm -hmm. So uh, to be completely honest, I don't know enough about the preservative process um, to comment on it in in a, in a massive way. I I do have some things to say about that. I'm just trying to think of how I want to word it. So basically what I know about, about the preservative process is that, you know, you, like you mentioned, genetically modified, foods that is a a proposed solution to having to preserve products so which which is ironic to me because a lot of people uh, oppose gmos yet they're kind of the ticket to not having to use preservatives anymore um at least not on the rate that we're using them because gmos can actually have a longer shelf life than you know non-genetically modified versions of those foods so they don't have to be preserved they can already last longer um so I know that that is a proposed solution to preservatives. Uh, I do know that preservatives tend to be um, a lot uh, more un- unhealthy than than non-preservative counterparts, but I don't know enough about the process of preserving foods to uh, have much of a comment on it besides the fact that it's just, you know, a lot of people blame the farmers for having preservative foods, you know, in the markets. The farmers don't don't choose that stuff. You know, the farmers don't choose what label goes on it. The farmers don't choose how it's packaged. The farmers don't choose hardly any of that stuff unless they own the company that's packaging it too. And that's very rare. You know, usually about 98% of family uh, of farms in the United States are family owned. And, you know, a very, very, very small portion of those that are family owned are also running a distribution or a packaging process uh, as well. So a lot of them don't really do their own processing if, if, if you know, they, if they have preserved foods, that's usually done by the company they sell their food to. So I'm not really sure where to go as far as the the unhealthy or healthy, you know, factors involved in the preservative process, but I do know that, you know, like like you said there's a, there's a lot of health concerns associated with preservative foods and that the growing process of those foods it has been shifted to try to extend the shelf life so we don't have to use preservatives at the rate that we're using them now. Um on that same token though, I know that some of the foods that are presumed to have been uh so like there's like the whole controversy like mcdonald's with 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 the pink slime and like the fake meat and all that kind of stuff i I don't know if you heard about that controversy i did yeah Mm. so that was i i can tell you right now that that that's not true the the meat is real you know i've actually seen the the processing plant where the cow gets turned into a mcdonald's burger and it gets shipped to mcdonald's um so all the meat's real you know the pink slime was was a was a farce none of that was real all the chicken's real you know all of that's real the preservatives they use for that for the for that stuff is uh, a different story. I don't really know what they put into it, but I do know that that's why. Because like they say, a McDonald's burger can last like a hundred years or whatever. Like it's just it's it's 
immortal, essentially. Um, and I wish I knew more to be able to comment on it. I have seen some of those documentaries and I do have, cause I, I tend to just have my, I have my beef with, with no pun intended. I have my beef with the nutritional industry um, because they change their mind. Like they change their underwear. I mean like, you know, one year they'll say eggs are unhealthy and the next year they say the eggs are the best thing you could possibly eat. And the next year it's just egg whites. And the next year eggs are unhealthy again. It's like, you know, I, I, I can't find myself to trust the nutritional industry, but I do know on preservatives that they do have a point that those are things that we need to try to avoid using. And usually they only use them on, on the massive production scale. And it's not for, uh, it, it's nothing that the, you know, the agricultural side of things can control. That's more just for the marketing side of things. That's okay. Right. I, I have no okay. That's yeah. Right. That's okay. I, I have no problem with that. your question properly. I, I, I do need to do more research on that, but that's the best I can give right now. Well, that's me giving you homework, so have fun with that. Um, and you're going to get pissed <laughs> uh, off because you're going to look into it. I don't like not knowing things, so I'm going to have to do some research now. <laughs> you're going to get pissed off and be like, I'm never doing a podcast with you. And like you're going to actually turn into a villain called Mr. Black, and there's going to be bigger issues. Um, but I do have three more questions, actually, that I just came up with. So sorry if this is like something you wanted to be a lot shorter than what it is, but. What the, oh, yeah, go for it. what the heck is fracking? So uh, freaking fracking is is uh, basically it's a process of uh, I'm trying to destroying the world, right? Like literally destroying soil. It, it does have a, a very negative impact on the environment. It's it's a it's a more effective method of of extracting fuel is, is what it's for. It, it creates a healthier and cleaner source of fuel. Um, but the problem is that yes, it has a, it has a negative impact on the environment and on um, soil and, and on agricultural land. It's actually been been noted to contaminate uh, drinking water uh, for for livestock and contaminate well water and all that kind of stuff. So it's it's definitely a highly controversial topic and it's a hard one to talk about because it's just like you know like how do you how are you on the right side of that thing? Because yes, we want free or not free, but we want uh, affordable and we want you know environmentally friendly. Uh, fuel and you know and cheap and all that kind of stuff and and you know good for the good for everything but how can we justify getting it if it destroys part of the earth in, in the process so it's just it's a really sticky topic to try to get into um but basically it's just an advanced drilling method that that's used to extract uh that's used to extract fuel okay and so it's i, I've, I've heard that I mean like i i've i've heard that it's basically like injecting liquid into the soil to like to get fuel but i don't really know i know that it has its negative effects on you know uh, agriculture and livestock i just didn't know what it was really really about and i didn't i didn't understand why if it was so bad for the earth it was a thing but i mean again everything's revolved around money so whatever right no and that's that's a big part of it too is you know i that's kind of the part where you know, farmers are kind of split because that's a more like capitalist venture of, you know, like trying to get more affordable fuel and a lot of capitalists, a lot of more, you know, uh, like right leaning conservative types are like, yeah, let's, you know, let's, let's do fracking. Let's, you know, it, let's go for it. That's a great idea because, you know, they're, they're less concerned about the environment. Whereas the farmers who are more often than not more of those conservative types are split because yes, they want to support it for the cheap fuel, but now it's hurting their land. So like, how do you justify that? Exactly. Okay, cool. What do you have a favorite farm that you've ever been to or a favorite company that like produces things in a way that you are like okay with as opposed to like other ones that um, I guess you would say are like more money based? 
like foster farms yes or no like you know stuff like that like bigger corporations like do you trust some more than others do you um, recommend any more than others like nutrition wise Mm, that's a good question um i i can't say that there's like a single you know like like corporate level agricultural company that i trust more than others um i do know quite a few corporate level agricultural companies that i actually know the owners of and you know they're very nice people despite being a you know a, a quote-unquote evil corporation the people who run them are actually extremely nice and they run their facilities very very well um but it's hard for me to pick a favorite just because you know i'm i come from more of the production side of things so so the uh, the corporate level you know guys are a little bit harder for me to relate to um that being said i mean i'm i'm pretty close with with the harris ranch guys um so i and that's not to say I, I don't like any of the competitors, because I definitely do. You know, Harris Ranch is great. Tyson's great. You know, all those guys are are great. As far as, like, which one I'd recommend, like, which product I would say, yeah, definitely go buy theirs. That's hard for me to say, because they all have really, really good food. <laughs> um, but, like, you know, like, Wonderful is, is a great company, um, which is ironic, because the guy who runs Wonderful isn't from an ag background whatsoever. He just runs, you know, one of the largest agricultural companies in the entire world. Um, yeah, but I've got to tour a few of their facilities and talk to some of their growers and the wonderful people are pretty cool. Um, I've talked to some of their higher ups too. There's some, there's some pretty good companies out there. It's hard for me to pick one that's just like, yes, this one's the best one. Uh, but there are definitely some, some good ones that are worth, that are worth checking out. It kind of just depends on what you're looking for. Okay. Awesome. Um, that was kind of all the questions that I had for you. Uh, I don't know if you have any questions for me, but, um, we covered a lot in my podcast and I knew that I wanted to come in and talk about like genetically, genetically modified meats and different stuff like that. And you've had answers for them. So freaking Mr. Black, good for you, man. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, so actually on that topic of genetically modified meats, um, what do you know about genetically modified meats? I don't know much, honestly. So it's like I eat pretty healthy in regards to that. So I don't eat a lot of red meat to begin with. Um, so it's really hard for me to like understand like what that is because I don't eat much of it. We eat a lot of, like me and my girlfriend eat a lot of like black bean patties and like chicken burgers and chicken, chicken, chicken. But it's also like whatever we were watching because we I watched it together. I'm not sure what it, I think it was called like What the Health or something or some freaking show or whatever it was. But it was like yeah, they pump chicken with all this crap and it's like just as bad as eating you know a burger or whatever it was. And it was like okay, that's not a cool thing to hear. But also. Um, what the heck's going on with that? Like, why would you even say that? Because, you know, there's this huge thing where it's like, eat chicken and vegetables and you'll like lose weight and be like strong and healthy. But then like, you have these companies that are like shoving like propaganda down your throat saying like, no, it's like the worst thing you can have kind of thing. Right. And so that's, that's, that tends to be why I have such an issue with, you know, the way that food in general was portrayed on media because nobody can agree on what's good and what's not. At the end of the day, just do your research. You know, it's it's it takes five seconds to Google search if a chicken's good for you or not. And you know, in in regards to the you know the pumping chickens full of all kinds of crap thing, I've heard that for forever, and that's not true even a little bit. You know, they say the chickens are pumped full of hormones. It's actually illegal in the United States to pump chickens full of hormones. Um, you know, it's, it's illegal on, on every level. It, you, you cannot give chickens growth hormones. It's been outlawed for years. And so any chicken that says hormone free on it, all chicken is hormone free. So I, the label's not lying, but it's, you know, it's kind of redundant because all chicken is hormone free. So it's like, 
you can you know you can go for the hormone free stuff if it makes you feel better but it's it hasn't been legal to pump chickens full of hormones in in years and the same thing goes for dairy cows they say that like you know you shouldn't drink milk because it's full of hormones well i mean it is a product from an animal so it's going to naturally have hormones in it but they mean artificial hormones and it's been legal to to put artificial hormones in cows for a couple of years now as well and you know same thing for beef it's not it's it's illegal to have hormones in beef growth hormones in beef of of any kind and so the, on that regard, that is a, a a myth I like to bust pretty often is that, you know, chickens aren't pumped full of crap as, as much as people like to think that they are just because they're bigger than they used to be. That's just because we're really good at breeding them. You know, it's just we selectively breed for larger chickens because they produce better chicken. And so. Yeah, and, so, and more meat. So it's like, why wouldn't you want to do that? Right. And so it's not a matter of we're pumping them full of growth hormones. It's just a matter of we've gotten smarter with how we're taking care of our chickens. And, you know, so I, I definitely understand the fear behind that. It's just ill-founded because of all these documentaries that are, f- that are spreading false information. And usually the documentaries either themselves are old or they're basing it off of old information that's not accurate anymore. And that tends to cause a bit of an issue with people who – because I've, I've gotten people that they come to me bef- before and say, like, hey, I've seen this documentary that said this thing. Is this true? And more often than not, it's either – not entirely true or it's completely just an outdated statistic that they just happen to to reuse or the or the documentary is old and is before this thing was updated or whatever so there's there's all kinds of stuff into that but um where i was going with with the uh, genetically modified meats thing as of right now you know as of as of september 14th 2020 there's not a single or i shouldn't say there's only one genetically modified meat product on the entire market in the world okay do i know what it is do i know what it is mr are you kidding me bro i've been doing my research for the last 40 minutes are you kidding me i'm not typing i'm not typing behind this computer give me one second no i'm just kidding um man one genetically modified only one in the entire world that we is it like something that I would know? Like, I'm gonna be like oh, I know, I know what that is. You might be able to guess it. If, if you get close, I'll tell you. But it's 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 not something we've talked about yet. Oh, boy. Come on, man. Is it like a uh, – is it tofu? I have no idea. It's not tofu. Tofu's not meat, though. I have no idea what tofu is. I'm never going to eat that crap. Um, I think it's soy. I don't even know myself. Soy soy something, yeah. It's in like that, that Chinese soup. Anyway. Um, yeah it's a, you're talking about meat right a genetically yeah. modified uh is it is it fish it is a fish yes so it is more specifically the chinook salmon Ooh. and there hasn't been a single so the chinook salmon was put on the market i think in like 2004 or something like that maybe it was a little bit earlier than that but it was the first and only genetically modified animal to ever reach consumer markets They've genetically modified cows. They've genetically modified, you know, all kinds of different livestock. We just haven't been able to sell that meat if we genetically modify it because it hasn't been verified by the FDA to actually go into the meat market. And so anytime you're eating beef, anytime you're eating chicken, you know, pork, lamb, whatever, that's all GMO free because it can't be GMO. You know, it, it's not possible to, to sell a GMO pro- uh, product legally and and have it hit the american markets without being federally inspected and if they find out it has gmos out and so why is that though is didn't you say it's all like it's basically the idea of all like in modesty as in like it's not if you're not like drinking pesticides it's not bad for you but it's like are gmos that bad for you that it's like this whole like just get it out kind of thing 
So here's the thing. GMOs aren't bad for you whatsoever. There's actually a lot of positive benefits to eating GMOs. Uh, but because of how bad the stigma is against them, they're not allowed in the markets, at least on the animal level. That's insane. So actually, I'll tell you a little story. Um, you said you, that you know where Tulare is, right? I do, yes. So in my little hometown of Tulare, we have what's called the World Ag Expo, also called the Farm Show. I'm not sure if you've ever heard of it. I think so. I think I have, yeah. Okay. It is the world's largest agricultural exhibition in the entire world. So we have people from... Europe, you know, Italy, Germany, England, you know, we have people from New Zealand, Australia, Africa, you know, Asia, different parts of Asia, India, Russia, I mean, everywhere they come to Tulare for this ag show. What a random place to have it. I'm sorry, right? not, I'm not talking smack about Tulare, but that is so random, dude. That's so, especially in so, like near Fresno. I, I don't know why they chose Tulare. I, I I know I know that it originally started in Tulare. I, I think why it, it became Tulare is because the guy who started it didn't intend on it becoming a massive show. He started it just as a little get together for the farming guys in the community to show off their you know their new inventions or whatever or their new practices or whatever. And because it started at the fair, the fair was doing that for a while. The Tulare County Fair was just you know it was showing off new inventions that the farmers had made. And then over time, the show got so big that they outgrew the fair, so they got their own space in Tulare. And then they started, you know, showing off their stuff and everything. And it just casually kept growing and growing and growing until eventually, somehow, people from other countries started hearing about it. And now we have the world's largest ag exposition in the entire world. That's insane. It is. And it's really cool because I've met people from all over the world every year because of it. And it's so much fun. Do you go to it every year? I, I do. I have. So I went when I was a little kid and then I didn't go for a really long time. And then when I got back into high school, I started going again. I've been every year ever since. Um, so, yeah, that was imagine like farmer Disneyland. <laughs> well, how's it going, partner? <laughs> <laughs> it's fantastic. And so I've met people from all around the world. And because of that, I've had some really interesting conversations with people about foreign agriculture. And I was talking to a farmer from Sweden. Uh, this was a few years ago now. I was still in high school, so it was probably like three or four years ago. And this guy told me the story about how back in Sweden, the public is so against GMOs that they're not banned, but they're basically outlawed. Like they they, they don't just they don't sell GMOs in the market, and they're not allowed to grow anything with GMOs. And because of that, and because Sweden's such a small country they can't grow their own food anymore. Like they're they're nearly entirely dependent on imports just because their their own people won't let them grow genetically modified crops that could save their food security. So I'm not gonna say that we're getting to that point, but it's a possibility if we don't get our stuff together and say like, hey, GMOs aren't bad for us. You know, they're actually really good for us. There have been some GMOs that have been um enhanced and nutritionally so i don't know if you've ever heard of golden rice i've not no okay so golden rice is genetically modified rice that has a higher uh, content of beta carotene in it and i'm sure you know beta carotene is the inactive form of vitamin a it's what's in carrots and pumpkins and because of that it gives the it gives the rice kind of a like an orange color because that's what beta carotene does it makes things orange so because that rice has a more active for uh, has an inactive form of vitamin a in it they feed it to children in developing countries that are struggling with like childhood blindness, with anemia, uh, anemia, 
and you know other uh, other vitamin A associated illnesses, and this golden rice was helping them. And because it was cheap and it was affordable to to produce, and it was really easy for them to consume and buy and all this kind of stuff, it basically saved these kids. And that's one of the best examples of you know food being genetically modified to have more nutritional content and not less and people tend to think that gmos are dangerous or that they're gonna like like there's there's theories that gmos cause autism that hasn't been anywhere close to being proved in the history of the entire world like that's that's yeah i I was gonna ask you about that because that's like seems to be the biggest question where it's like oh because it's like the whole um thing with uh did you get your vaccines and all this crap you're like okay come on really like one person mentioned it could be a possibility at one time a long time ago and then it's like oh no we have these anti-vaxxers and anti-gmo people that are like never again it's insane it is and that's a you know that's a big thing is that people think that these gmos can cause all these dangerous harmful side effects and there has yet to be a scientific study that has any level of credibility to it that has proved any of that like the the GMOs have been on the market since 1994. They've done the tests. GMOs go through the same process that pesticides do for verification. They have to go in through testing for 10 to 13 years before they can even hit the markets, let alone be you know be consumed. And you you would you would have thought that we would have found something by now, and we haven't. You know, it's just not there. There's no evidence to suggest. And you know, maybe 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 we're just like in the early stages of GMOs. And in a few years, we're going to start seeing effects. I'm not going to say it's not possible, but I am going to say it's not very likely. That's fair. And I, uh, that's, it's, it's, it's more based on the ignorance of the society that's believing stuff from the past or just takes, I don't know, that are against the idea of progress. I don't know. It's just, it's weird to me. Right. So my, I guess you call it a shutdown statement, but anytime I'm talking to somebody and they're fighting me on whether or not we should have GMOs in place, my my closing thought to them is always okay so right now in 2020 our world population is about 8 billion in 2050 it's going to be about 10 billion we get to feed 2 billion more mouths with a lot less land a lot more regulation a lot less water a lot less resources a lot more public opposition and our farming practices are getting pretty smart and pretty fast and pretty efficient, but they're not going to be able to grow that much on that little amount of land. With GMOs, we can. So how are you going to tell us that we can't use them? And that tends to fix, you know, that tends to kind of sway people over to the idea of like, okay, well, even if I don't necessarily trust it, we do need them. You know, they are serving an essential purpose. And people actually have come to that that compromise with me. It's like, okay, well, maybe I don't trust them. Maybe I won't buy them, but I see the utility in, in using them in, in production. I, gu- I guarantee they'll, they'll eat them the if, if they have to. I know they will. Right, exactly. And And like, if you go to developing countries, they're begging for them. Because they know that it will grow their food. And their governments won't let us give them genetically modified crops, but they want the food. They know it. Like, they don't care if it's safe or not. It's food, you know? So, it's just... <laughs> I was talking to somebody, and they said that GMO... The the ability to refuse GMO seems to be kind of a first world problem. And... Exactly. <laughs> I agree with that sentiment completely. <laughs> that's crazy. But, um... Yeah, so that's kind of my, my soapbox speech for for GMOs. So anyways, any, did you have any other questions you wanted me to clarify? No, that was, that was a lot of good information that I've gotten so far. And I, I, I like that uh, you explain all of it and it's, it's open. It's not, it's not a, a bias thing. So it's been good. 
Right. And that's that's kind of the goal of this, too, is to not seem like I'm just trying to, you know, defend agriculture blindly. You know, I acknowledge that there are some issues that we still need to figure out. I acknowledge that we're not perfect. I acknowledge that there's still some things that we can do better. But at the same time, I also think that prioritizing food security should be something that as a society we should kind of agree on is is an important thing to look at. And, you know, I, I never try to talk down anybody. I try not to be condescending. And I'm, you know, I apologize if some of the things I said made you feel kind of stupid because I try to avoid that. But uh, it's just, you know, it, it's an important topic, I feel like, you know, to to have an understanding of where our food comes from and how much work gets put into producing that food effectively. I wholeheartedly agree. And the thing is, it's like, it's that lack of a voice for the for the topic at hand, which is the sad part, but it's it's real. And it's really being under the rug, acting like it's not a thing, is just enabling the problem. So I'm uh, open to asking more questions. I'll, I'll think of some more for next time if you have me on or if I have you on mine. And um, I'm always open to learning and op- open to your research. And I'll do some research on my, on my own because I, I know nothing about it. It's one of those things. I, I told my girlfriend when I met her, I was like, I don't know about anything about cars, so just relax, okay? Like, <laughs> I can take in your groceries, I can I can make you feel special, but I don't, I can change your tire, but that's about it. I'm not going to tell you how to get a new engine. I can, and the same thing with this, I can't tell you how all these things happen in agriculture. I can't tell you all that stuff. So it's good to, to reach out and understand how it works because it's important. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I'm, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm very grateful that you wanted to come on here and that you're open-minded enough to, to learn without you, you feeling like I was just attacking you the whole time. I was trying to, trying to not do that. Not that you said anything that made me want to attack you because you were, you know, you, you asked some great questions and you brought us some great points. And I really, I really appreciate people, people coming on here to, to actually learn, you know, not, not just, not just fight, but actually try to try to understand both sides of it. And, you know, like, like I've always said, I've said it a million million times on, on this podcast before. Don't take my word for it. You know, assume that I, because I, I, I have done my research. I've been doing research since I was a junior in high school. So for the past five years, I've been doing nonstop research on this stuff. So I feel like I know a decent amount about it, but I could be wrong. I could have missed something. There's, there's always new studies coming out. Go fact check me. And if I'm wrong, let me know so I can stop saying wrong information. Because I think it's more important that we have the accurate information out there than to maybe be prideful about it and be right all the time. Right, and it's the same thing. It's like if you are saying in, incorrect information, you're just doing exactly what you're trying to fight against. Exactly. And so, yeah, if, if you know, if somebody comes to me one day and says, hey, actually, in that episode, uh, I think that you were a little bit off when you said this. It actually means this. I'd be like, okay, sorry, you know, thank you for bringing that to my attention. I, I didn't mean to, to spread false information, and I'll address it in the next episode because I want the right information to be out there. I don't care if I have to say it or not as long as it's getting out there accurately. So, um yeah, you know, as long as as long as everyone comes on here as open minded and they want to learn and, you know, they don't take everything I say as if it's gospel, they actually go out there and do their own research and prove that I'm I'm right or maybe prove that I'm wrong. That's that's all I'm, I'm that's all I'm asking for. That's good, man. Heck yeah. I'm a, I'm glad to be a part of it. Awesome. Well, yeah, I'd, I'd be happy to have you back on if you're, you know, if you're willing and if you have more questions, I'd be happy to be on yours again and I think it'd be a lot of fun. Heck yeah. Thanks for having me, Mr. Black. Well, thank you. Uh, so yeah, before we before we wrap up here, uh, did you want to go ahead and and you know plug your podcast again, or share any social media, or talk talk about anything else that you wanted to wanted to promote? I would love to. Okay, guys, listen up. If you've gotten this far, thank you to all the farmers of America. Thank you to all the the Aggies. Thank you to all the pregnant pigs that got here. That's an inside joke. So don't 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 think that I'm insulting you. But anyway. Um, I run a podcast. It's called The Table Talks Podcast. It's The Table Talks Podcast. Now, 
There are different podcasts with a similar name. I'm talking about this one is the one you want to listen to, you guys. I'm like trying to be an up salesman. I'm trying to like straighten my tie and like all this crap. Um, anyway, uh, Table Talks podcast is basically um, an open forum that I run uh, where nothing's off the table, which is a fun thing to say because it sounds really similar to the name. Um, but the idea is um, it's an audience response and thought provoking podcast where we talk about random things. It could be uh, theoretically funny stuff. It could be uh, a serious topic. It could be interviewing somebody that knows about ag. It could be about anything. It could be about moms, dads. It could be about mentors, whatever the case is. It's super open, um, which is fun for me creatively, but it's also fun for the audience to pick and choose what they want to listen to. So um, I would love for you guys to check it out. I'm on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Just check out... um, uh, the podcast and, the, and the, the the cover art would be just like a blue uh, and yellow and actually has two cows in it, which is funny. If you look at my actual cover art for the podcast, there's two cows that are facing each other. So just a little sneak peek for the ag people out there. Um, anyway, um, yeah, check us out, the Table Talks podcast. And then on uh, Instagram, the uh, actual handle is all lowercase and it's, there's no spaces. It's the Table Talks podcast 2020. And then I also have a Facebook page, the same exact name, the Table Talks Podcast 2020. And if you want to shoot us any emails or have any questions or if you want to be on the show, um, my email address is tabletalkspodcast2020, all lowercase, at gmail.com. My name is Eddie. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I hope you guys check it out. And uh, I will be posting the the interview that me and Mr. Black had on it um, this upcoming week. So thank you so much. Just for the record, I'm looking at his uh, cover art right now, and it does, in fact, have two cows facing each other. <laughs> just want to uh, confirm that. I told you, my mom loved cows, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> I very much appreciate the uh, call back to the cows. It's definitely going to have to share it now because it talks about cows, and anyone who's listening to this knows my love for cows. Uh, so, yeah. So, thanks again, Eddie, for coming on. I definitely appreciated it, and I, I would be happy to put all your links down in the description and share it around. Everyone, go check out his podcast, which, like I said, my episode should already be up by the time you guys are hearing this, so I'll be sure to share that around whenever it comes out. And, uh, yeah, thanks all thanks, thanks to all of you for for tuning in and listening. I hope you guys learned something, and I hope that you uh, come back next week. And don't forget, if you ate today, thank a farmer.